Hey, thanks for tuning in for Daily Devotions with Pastor Eric. I hope that today's devotion will be a blessing to you. Either you're supplementing this with your other devotional practices or you're just using this as a way to learn more about how to start your daily devotions. If you have any questions about anything that I cover or would like additional suggestions on how to include devotions into your life, please email me at ebreynolds87 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Today we're going to open up with prayer coming from the Valley of Vision. This one is entitled Divine Mercies. Thou eternal God, thine is surpassing greatness, unspeakable goodness, superabundant grace. I as soon I can I can as soon count the sands of oceans lit as number thy favors towards me. I know but a part but that part exceeds all praise. I thank thee for personal mercies, a measure of health, preservation of body, comforts of house and home, sufficiency of food and clothing, continuance of mental powers, my family, their mutual help and support, the delights of domestic harmony and peace, the seats now filled that might have been vacant, my country, church, Bible, faith. But oh, how I mourn my sin, ingratitude, vileness, the days that add to my guilt, the scenes that witness my offending tongue. All things in heaven, earth, around me, with, around, within, without, condemn me. The sun which sees my misdeeds, the darkness which is light to thee, the cruel accuser who justly charges me, the good angels who have been provoked to leave me, Thy countenance, which scans my secret sins, the righteous law, thy holy word, my sin-soiled conscience, my private and public life, my neighbors, myself, all write dark things against me. I deny them not, frame no excuse, but confess, Father, I have sinned, yet still I live and fly repenting to thy outstretched arms. Thou wilt not cast me off, for Jesus brings me near. Thou wilt not condemn me, for he died in my stead. Thou wilt not mark my mountains of sin, for he leveled all, and his beauty covers my deformities. O my God, I bid farewell to sin by clinging to his cross, hiding in his wounds and sheltering in his side. Amen. We're going to start off this week with uh, gl- reading Galatians 4, 1 through 18, and then finish off the chapter tomorrow. So going into Galatians 4, picking up where we left off last week. According to the promise, now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather, have become known by God, how can you turn back against, again to the weak and worthless elements? 
Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I am fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also became like you. You have not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a weakness of the flesh. You do not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So then have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? They court you eagerly, but not for good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. But it is always good to be pursued in a good manner, and not just when I am with you. Thus says the Lord. In verses 1-11, through 11, we see that we as Christians are adopted sons and daughters of God. When our hearts are renewed as we are born again and we believe in Christ, we become heirs with Christ. We are now children of God. He, We were previously in bondage to sin, but are now free and able to follow Christ. We begin like babies, spiritually immature, still drinking milk. This is the elementary teachings of Christ that we read about in Hebrews. This could include foundational beliefs such as what is the gospel? The nature of God, the nature of man, the nature of sin, how we are to love one another and care for one another, all of these elementary things. At this time, we are learning from others who are more mature than we are, not just in age, but in the faith, people who have actually grown over the years, something that is dying quickly in our churches. We should get to a point after only a couple or a few years where we are able to learn independently as well as interdependently, while helping others learn to walk in Christ as well. The issue here is, the issue here with the Galatians is that we were adopted but have succumbed to the false teaching of the Judaizers. This is why it's so crucial for believers to begin growing as soon as they can and start to learn what true teaching and doctrine and what false teaching and false doctrine of the gospel looks like. We can easily focus on the wrong things and get taken captive by the false teachings of today, such as the prosperity gospel, Roman Catholicism, and modern universalism. The prosperity gospel teaches that with God on your side, he will bring you earthly favor, such as money and an easy life. Roman Catholicism teaches that Mary intercedes for you before Christ and that your works contribute to your salvation. Modern universalism teaches that no matter what you believe, you will be saved. The true gospel says that according to nothing in you, God took good pleasure in choosing you. Christ's saving atonement for your sin has been applied to you. The Spirit has regenerated you. Your debt is paid and now you are clothed not with your sinfulness, not with all of these things that you have done against God, but you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Now go! And tell the world the gospel that has been preached to you. In verses 12 through 18, we see that, you know, Paul writes, Where has your allegiance gone? He appeals to their affections for him that they felt at one time and maybe still feel, although they've started to reject what he taught. Paul 
when he first went to Galatia, appeared to be ill. Uh, we know that this could possibly be the first missionary journey he took. He was not initially going out to Galatia, but whatever illness befell him, we know that God used that for him to preach to Galatia. Many have speculated, uh, uh, but there is no definitive answer as to what illness he might have had. But we see here that it affected his appearance, and Paul is commending their hospitality despite how easy it would have been to reject him, especially in that day. He again is drawing a line between what he has taught them and what the false teachers have done in leading them astray. These false teachers were actively disparaging what Paul taught them. This reminds me of pastors today who openly chastise other pastors and churches who take the study of theology seriously rather than focusing on a minimalist faith. This is just one example of of what, at a minimum, these folks might be, which is unqualified teachers. At worst, they're false teachers. We all should take the study of theology, which is the study of God. Simply, the study of God. That is what theology is. The study of God. We should take that seriously. Our faith is so much more than praying a simple prayer, walking down an aisle, and coming to church on Sunday. Our belief in Christ should inform every aspect of our lives. Now I'll finish what we are talking about regarding to the scriptures today. I will be uh, continuing our reading in John Calvin's A Little Book on the Christian Life. Again, you can uh, find links to this book and a free PDF for uh, Valley of Vision, which we used earlier, in the show notes. Uh, Calvin goes on to write, In another place in scripture, Paul more clearly, albeit briefly, rehearses the various parts of the well-ordered life. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's Titus 2, 11-14. In this passage, after Paul sets forth the grace of God to motivate us, he removes two obstacles that severely hinder us in order to clear our path to worship God. First, our natural inclination towards ungodliness, and second, worldly desires that seek to ensnare us all the more. By ungodliness, he means not only superstition, but anything that contends seriously with the fear of God. By worldly desires, he means the desires of the flesh. Thus, he orders us, making reference to each table of the law, to put off natural inclinations and to deny ourselves, that is, to resist whatever our reason and will demand. Now, even now, every right action in life belongs to one of three categories, self-control, uprightness, and godliness. Of these, self-control means purity and self-restraint, as well as blamelessly and carefully using the things we have and acting with patience when we lack anything. Uprightness means observing all the requirements of justice so that we render to, e to each one what is rightly due him. Godliness separates us from the impurities of the world and unites us to God in genuine holiness. These, self-control, uprightness, and godliness, when they are joined together in an unbreakable bond, make us complete. But in truth, nothing is more difficult than saying goodbye to carnal reason and subduing, and subduing indeed conquering our desires and joining ourselves to God and our brothers. 
We are essentially contemplating the life of angels even as we trudge through the mire of earth's filthiness. Paul recalls us to the hope of blessed immortality in order to free our souls from all snares, and he admonishes us to contend for such righteousness with hope. For Christ has appeared as our Redeemer, and by his second coming, he will bring forth the fruit of the redemption he has secured for us. In this way, Paul subdues all the temptation that vex us and that keep us from aspiring to heavenly glory. Indeed, he teaches us to live as strangers in this world so that we won't lose our heavenly inheritance. Let's close with prayer. Father of all creation, your glory abounds and has absolutely no limit. We see your glory in the creation of the world. We see your glory in the incarnation, sinless life, and atoning death of your Son. We see your glory in the baptism of Jesus as you proclaimed him as your Son with whom you were well pleased. We see the glory as the Spirit descended upon Christ like a dove. We see your glory in the ascension of your Son as he took his rightful seat upon the throne. Presently, we witness your glory when the lives of those you've called are given over to your Son. We witness your glory with each new spiritual birth in itself, a raising of the dead to life. Father, we witness your glory as your Son's name is proclaimed throughout all the world when lives are transformed into the image of your Son. We seek your glory at the second coming of Christ when the world will be restored and sin will be no more. We confess our sins to you now, knowing that you give forgiveness to those you call your own. We praise your name and to your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It was great having you. I hope to uh, see you next time. Have a great day. God bless.